want to talk to you about rest today. How many people love to rest? I think that one of the biggest uh, sores, if you want to put it on society today, is busyness. We get so busy with so many things, don't we? We get incredibly busy, incredibly crazy, and we get so busy with life that sometimes we just, we just don't find the time to rest. We don't find the time to rest and to, and to get ourselves recharged and reinvigorated for what is ahead. And, and I think that sometimes we have a wrong concept around rest. We think that rest is where we go on holiday for two weeks and lie on the beach in Hawaii like some people in this auditorium, Sarah, um, who have just you know, come back all happy because they just had two weeks on the beach. But there is a rest that the scripture talks about that is not anything to do with holidays, but everything to do with how you find true rest. And there's this really cool scripture in 1 Corinthians 6.12 that I want to start with, and it's not about rest, but it just I think that this is, should be kind of like a, a mandate for our lives. It says this, And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. In other words, even though I really could do anything I want to of life, and you can, you can do whatever you want in life, there are consequences for everything you do. So I can do anything that I want to do, but I must not become a slave to anything. In other words, I don't want to be mastered by things. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be mastered by my emotions. I don't want to be mastered by the environment around me. I don't want to be mastered by busyness. I don't want my life to be controlled by busyness. I want to be the master, I want obviously Christ to be the master of my life, but I'll, I don't want anything to control me, I don't want anything to dictate to me, and sometimes I think we get so busy that the busyness actually dictates our lives, and we feel completely out of control and overwhelmed, because this busyness has got us such in a hold, and we need to learn to master our busyness, because I really believe that the power of Christ should be bigger than anything else in my life. No amens. All right, that's cool. I believe that the power of Christ should be bigger than anything else in my life. And I refuse to be mastered by busyness. And quite honestly, so many times I know in my life, I am mastered by busyness. And if you're really honest, we're all mastered by this busyness from time to time. We all get mastered by it. Here's what happens for many of us. All right, first thing is you have an inability to shut down. If you're really honest with yourself, you have an inability to shut down. Guys can do this generally better than women, yes? Because guys are like, we just work on one thing at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's a guy's mantra. Whereas a woman's brain is like, just like out of control. And, you know, especially at about 10 p.m. or 10.30 p.m. at night when you're about to go to bed, that's when it really comes alive, doesn't it? Come on, let's be honest. <laughs> and so what happens for many of us we have this inability to shut down and so because we don't have this ability to shut down our default really is in life is if there is nothing going on right now it's like some of you were like this it's like what, what's happening today what are we doing today oh we haven't got anything planned today oh we better do something with our day we can't do nothing with our day hold on what? You're thinking about nothing? How do you think about nothing? You've got to be thinking about meaningful things all the time. Like There should be stuff going through your brain all the time. I'm not making a difference in the world. I need to change my life. I need to change career. I need to... Da, da, da. And the minute we kind of stop, all of a sudden we feel guilty and we shift into this default mode 
that I'm just going to get busy about life. I've got things to do. How many people have got a list of jobs that you want done before Christmas around the house? Come on, put those hands up. Insanity. We have the same thing in our house. Sprinkling the house, sort this out, sort that out, paint the bathroom. It's like, ah! It's like, why? Because, because Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. It's not Jesus that's coming. It's just Christmas that's coming. And so the default mode for so many people is, is we just get so, so busy. And I believe that the problem that we have today, it's not a physical rest problem. It's that our minds never rest. Our souls never rest. Our spirits never rest. Our minds are not shutting down because the minute that you have a spare moment while you're waiting for your haircut, while you're sitting in line, what do we do? We pick up this and we go online. Yes? We never stop. We never give our brain a break. We're constantly distracted by things around us. We're going here, there, and everywhere. The, the statistics say that we actually don't work well over long stretches because we don't produce great productivity because we're constantly interrupted by things and checking our phones. We, we feel overwhelmed and we don't know why. We, we get short with our children and our husbands and our wives and we don't know why. Spiritually, we feel exhausted and we don't know why. Everything just seems too much and, and we're longing for something more. Like, things have got to get better. It's just around, if I work a little bit harder, if I do this a little bit more, if we improve this and we improve that, something's about to get better. And, and, and the crazy thing is, is we want life to improve, but we keep going back to the thing that's causing our stress in the first place, which is just a whole lot of activity and not necessarily a whole lot of results. You see, I could go out to a tree out there, I'm not going to, I could go out to a tree out there with a knife to cut that tree down, and there's a whole lot of activity going down, but how many people know that that tree's gonna take a long time for me to cut down with a knife, yeah? Or I could get a chainsaw and go out there and be done in a couple of minutes. Sometimes you don't want to work harder in life, you want to work smarter in life. And what we tend to do is we think that life improves if I just do a bit more, if I just work a little bit harder, if I just do a little bit of this. And you know what that happens in our relationship with God as well? So we, we have this whole thing where, where God loves us, yes? All of us, yes? How many people here think that God loves everything about you? <laughs> How many people believe Scripture says that God loves everything about you? So why don't you believe that He loves everything about you? Because you think God only loves the nice parts, not the bad parts. You think when it comes to the bad parts of your life that God stands there and goes, whew, bit to work on there, babe. Once you've got that sorted out, I'll step into that part of your world. But you need to work on That's, that's how we think. I need to work on me. I've got to get me sorted out. Can, can I give you a clue for a moment? That the scripture says that God loves all of you because he loves the good parts and the dark parts. And the fact, the dark parts are never going to get good unless you involve God in the dark parts in the first place. He loves your, your lust problem as much as he loves your time management skills. God loves everything about you. It's us that do that, where we're like, oh, I like that about that person, but I don't like that. I love, I love 
Dave Morgan very, very much, but his snoring's not too good. If you could work on that, that'll be good. I'm not saying he snores. I don't sleep with him, so I don't know. Get it really clear for you. But because that's how we respond to people, we think that's how God responds to us. Come on, are you with me? And so what happens is, even in our relationship with God, we get busy. I'm going to fix this about me. I'm going to sort this out about me because God doesn't like this part of me. No, no, God loves all of you. He's not like you and I that rejects the bad parts of people. He loves all of you. And rather get busy trying to sort yourself out, how about you get busy and let in relationship with him and let him sort you out. Are you with me this morning? We keep longing for something more and we keep on going back to the same thing that we've always done. Almost everybody in society today, in our culture today, would acknowledge that we need rest, don't we? People are working longer hours than they ever worked before. Everything's just moving at a rapid rate of knots. Our souls need rest. They need rest long enough to actually find peace. And the way that you find peace is in the presence of God. And that way, when you find that peace of God in his presence, then you can represent his love properly to a world around us rather than being wrapped up all the time in busyness. Now, please hear me when I say this. I believe in working hard. I really do. I don't don't think we should be lazy. In fact, the Bible says this, that if you don't work, you don't deserve to eat. There's a principle there. Like, we've got to work hard in life. But working hard in life without rest is something that is not good for your soul nor your spirit. I believe in working hard and being productive, but I also refuse to be mastered by busyness because Christ in me is bigger than anything else. And so with all that in mind, I want to show you what rest in God really looks like. And hopefully... That will help you as we start to go through this crazy season. It starts in Hebrews 4, 9 to 11 says this. So there is a special rest. Everyone say a special rest. Still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. Let us do our best to enter that rest. Why is it that God talks about a special rest that we need to do our best to enter into, but we don't always find that rest? We're longing for it, but we don't seem to be able to find it. I think some of the problem is is that we've been so restless for so long. We've been looking for something that brings a satisfaction to our lives. Whether it be a bigger, better house, or a bigger, better career, or a bigger, better this, or whatever it may be, that brings meaning. Something that helps our relationships at work. We're looking for something that would fill the void on the inside of us. Something that makes you feel significant and purposeful in life. Everybody wants to feel significant. Everybody wants to feel like that they've done something. They've added value to the world. And here's the thing, you have, the scripture teaches us a Christ, you know, like a void in your life that Christ fits. It's like there's a hole there and busyness is a square peg, but, got, but the hole is round and the only thing that can really fill that hole properly is Christ. 
and we're restless because we can't find our rest because we're not looking to find our rest in him. We're looking to find our rest at the end of our accomplishments, the end of our busyness. Matthew 11 says this, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. All of those that are weary and burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. Yoke yourself to me, learn from me. The whole picture of this, remember Jesus was talking a lot about farming back in those days and what they used to do is they'd get a young, young bull and they would yoke the young bull to the old bull and the old bull would pull the plow behind it and plow the field and all it was is the young bull has no weight on them. He's just yoked to the old bull just doing this. He's not having to do any work, he's just having to walk. The old bull is doing all the work. And what the scripture and what Jesus is trying to say here is that if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're tired, if you're exhausted, then come and yoke yourself to me and I'll do the heavy work. See, when we're not yoked to him, we do the heavy work. We're pulling the plow. We're trying to get things going. We're trying to make things happen. And in our busyness, we're working so hard, but we're accomplishing very little. But the Bible teaches us, if you would yoke yourself to me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And so the Bible teaches us that the rest that you're actually looking for and that I'm actually looking for, that special rest is not found at the beach, but it's found in Jesus. So how do we rest in God? Well, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be still. You've got to be still. I encourage you to learn the discipline of being still. Learn to be disconnected and still in God's presence. Psalm 46.10, you'll know this if you've been around long enough, it says, what does it say? Be still and know that I am God. That word be still in the Hebrew literally means this. It's not meaning this. And off again. It's virtually... It means to drop, to sink. The word still there means to have healing and be healed. <laughs> All those that are weakened and heavy laden come to me and have healing and be healed. In other words, come to me with all your exhaustion, and as you sit in my presence, not only will healing come, but you will be healed as you think about who he is and what he has done. Our problem is we don't do the be still part, we do 
God on the run part. Jesus, could you really help me? I'm really, really busy right now. If you could just give me a break right now, that'd be really, really good. I don't know. I reckon God's in heaven going, man, I can't keep up. Can you just stop for a minute? You know, it's a little bit like those that have little children, yes? You know, those little children that some of you have, well, probably not in this church, probably in another church. Because all the children in this church are perfect children. There wasn't too many amens, just one. And you know what those little kids are like, yes? I remember, I remember being over, visiting, um, and I hope she doesn't mind me sharing this, but visiting Andrea Garrett after one of her operations, and her boys were typical boys. It's like, they were outside, then they were inside for a drink. Got a drink, outside again. Then back inside for something to eat, then outside again. You know, you, that's kids, yes? They come in and out like yo-yos, they're running around all over the place. They're like, and, and sometimes they're talking to you on the run. Mum, can I, can I, as they're running off to their room and somehow they think that you can hear them when they're at the other end of the house. Yes? And they're running around or they're yelling from outside. They're, they're trying to talk to you on the go to get your attention. And, and what is it that you say to them? Stop! Shut up for a minute. Look at me. Now, what was it you wanted again? Oh, can I please have a glass of water? Not a problem. You know what I'm saying? Who, who recognizes that? I reckon sometimes Jesus is like, stop! Sit down! Look at me! Sometimes you've got to say to your soul, chill out. Calm down. We have this thing in our house where it's like, calm down. And then everyone turns around and says to me, in the history of everybody that's ever been told to calm down, how many people have ever calmed down? But you need to tell your soul, stop, sit, calm down. Stop being so wound up. Be at rest. Psalm 131 says this, but I have, I have, listen to this, but I have settled, uh, stilled, sorry, and quieted my soul. I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. I have stopped, I have stilled it, I have quieted my soul. He did it. Not somebody else did it. Not God did it for him. He did it. He made a purposeful plan that said, I'm going to stop and still my soul. He thought his way to solitude. And you and I, and I include myself in this usually, we need to learn how to shut down, how to stop, how to... Because you can't keep going at the pace that you're going and accomplish what you want to do. So here's my thing for you. Here's one of my challenges this morning. What I want you to do is I want you every single day this week, every day, to take five minutes where you just stop. Still yourself. 
and just, not, not prayer requests, just still thinking about who he is, thinking about what he has done, thinking about how much he loves you, how much he is for you. Five minutes. You're like, I can do five minutes a day. I guarantee you that you can't. Because have you ever tried to stop for five minutes? Especially if you have young children, yes? The phone goes for starters. The minute you decide, I'm going to spend some time with God, the next minute the phone's beep, 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 and your brain goes, wonder what that's about. Wonder, wonder, wonder who's texting me. Wonder who's sending me a message. I wonder what I'm missing out on right now. You know, you start getting major FOMO in your moment. Yeah? I guarantee you that as minute that you take that time out, some people that's not a problem with you. Or, or what happens is you take five minutes, you stop, but the mind doesn't stop, huh? The mind races. The mind goes at a million miles an hour. I go, oh, there's the kids. I gotta pick up, yeah, just gotta pick them up for soccer. And then there's dinner. What am I gonna cook for dinner? What did we have last night? I can't even remember what we had last night. I don't even know what we had for breakfast this morning. And the brain just starts going. And then all of a sudden, that, that one job that you've been meaning to do is the only job that filters through your head in that five minutes, yes? The minute that you finish your five minutes of solitude, you forget about the job that you just remembered that you need to do. So here's the thing. When you take your five minutes, get not your phone. Turn your phone onto flight mode and throw it away somewhere. But get yourself a pen and paper and then as that thing comes, just write it down. Because I don't need to remember that now. I've written it down. And it'll clear your mind and you'll be able to stop for those five minutes because I know what happens. Your mind starts racing and you just start thinking, I've got to cook dinner, I've got the kids, I've got this, I've got that going on. And God says, just be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still. Still your soul. Have the discipline not to be mastered all the time. Have the discipline by the power of Christ to contemplate the goodness of God. The Bible says this, forget not his benefits. I think we forget how good God is so often because we don't stop for five minutes to contemplate his goodness towards us. Simply be still and know that he is God. You know, here's a thought for you. It's a thought that I try to have that I feel like God said to me this week as I tried to have five minutes one day this week and things were getting a little bit chaotic. And I felt like God said to me, Craig, it's okay. I can run the universe for the next five minutes without your help. Yes? Let's put this into perspective. The God who holds the universe between his thumb and forefinger, he doesn't need you for five minutes. Can I put it this way? This is how God speaks to me. You're not that important. He can handle it for five minutes without you. And when he spoke to me, I thought, you know what, I'm just going to chill. Just going to relax. I'm going to focus on God. I'm actually going to enjoy his presence. 
because he never leaves us nor forsakes us. I'm not going to ask him for anything. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm just going to be still and thank him for who he is for five minutes. You know, the only way that I can describe the feeling that I've had as I've did my five-minute challenge every day this week, the only way that I can put it is like I remember when Madison was born and she came home and then she'll be put to bed that night. And I just stand there. Anybody done this? Just stand there staring at them sleeping. Is, am I, I'm not a stalker parent. But you just stand there and you just stare at them, don't you? You're not thinking about anything but just like, oh, I love that kid. How cute is that? How beautiful is she? Praise God, she got her dad's good looks. Just a joke. And you just, and I remember Trinity came in. What are you doing? Just staring. Dishes need to be done. But I had no problem just spending that time just staring. Just taking that time out to think about how much I loved her. How about we commit to five minutes every day this week where we just spend five minutes not asking him for anything, but just thinking about how much he loves us. Be still and know who he is. Be still and embrace his goodness. Be still and enjoy the beauty of a moment with the God who created you and loved you so much that he sent his son to die on the cross for you. Be still. Second thing is make a plan. Be still, but make a plan. If you fail to make a plan, you plan to fail. It says this, I love this in Proverbs 13, verse 16. It says, a wise man thinks ahead, but a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. <laughs> a fool doesn't, and even brags about it. I got an assignment due tomorrow, had four weeks to do it, but I might do it tonight at 10 p.m. I failed to make a plan, but I'm going to brag about how I've left everything to the last minute. Full. Some of you, and I say this with all the love of my heart, you're in the foolish category. You're going to say, Craig, this is not a big deal, honestly. It's not a big deal. I'm going to say to you right now, that it is a big deal because if you're not taking the time out to still your soul, I guarantee that you are starting to hurt the relationships of the people around you. If you're not taking time out to still your soul, then you won't get yourself refocused in him and you will take your frustration out on those around you. It is a big deal. It can be hurting your intimacy with God. It can be distracting you from raising your children. It could literally, over time, hurt your marriage if you don't get control of your inability to stop and be still. If you've got a problem, make a plan, acknowledge it, and call it what it is. I acknowledged a wee while ago and still acknowledge that I have a problem called the phone at the dinner table 
Come on. You know, it's gone really quiet in here because I'm like the only one that has this problem, yes? And Trinity for far too long has said to me, put your phone away. This is family time. The church will cope without you for 45 minutes. Come on, how many of you just are so distracted all the time by your busyness, your craziness? Why don't you make a plan to invest in your rest? Make a plan. We, we make plans around buying houses. We make plans around holidays. We make plans, but we don't make a plan about resting and stooling our souls so that we can know who He is. And I'm not telling you to take a week off and spend it with God. I'm just saying you need five minutes a day where you just still yourself and think about how wonderful He is. I don't know what this will look like for you. I'm not going to tell you what you should do because it's you. You've got to work out what works for you. But you're going to have to have what I would call a defensive plan and an offensive plan. Like any great team, like the All Blacks, they have defensive plans and they have attacking plans. They have offensive plans. And I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know what that means to you. But I would like to think that as you pray about this, that as you talk to your spouse about this, that as you talk to maybe some really good friends you've made in your connect group about this, as you start to have these discussions with your best friends and stuff, with the people around you who care about you, that you would create a defensive plan and an offensive plan, and maybe your defensive plan might look a little bit like this. No phone during dinner. No phone at Connect Group. No phone after 10 p.m. until 7 a.m. in the morning. I'm not going to ask you to put up your hand, but if you're anything like me, the first thing you pick up when you wake up in the morning is usually your demonic phone. Put it on silent. You know, when I come into church now, I, I keep on forgetting to reset it, but when I come into church now, I put my phone and everything onto flight mode because I don't want to be distracted from what's going on here. I don't need notifications. I don't need to read emails. Problem is, I get home and I'm thinking, oh, so-and-so has been to text me and it's like 3 p.m. in the afternoon and then I go, oh, it's still on flight mode. I don't want to be distracted from his presence. I turn it off. One night a week, have nothing planned. It's just family time. Phone's off, everything's off. It's just, it's, this is family time. This is what we do. Now, I know that that sometimes can be difficult because you can't really enforce it sometimes onto our kids, can we? And as kids become teenagers, they tend to want to be, especially once they get a car and get mobile and all that sort of stuff, they, they tend to really not want to hang out with you so much. They tend to want to hang out with their friends. I get that. But you make a plan that if it's there. It's there if it's required. And you can suggest to them when, as they get older that that's a good idea. Maybe even if, once they leave home, why don't you plan? One night a week, I want you to come back home for dinner. So we can have some. And make that time. Make that plan. No social media on vacation. When you're on holiday. <laughs> Take a month-long break. 
Do something. Make a plan. I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just saying have a defensive plan. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but you need to think about it, and you need to come up with your own defensive plan. And then the other thing is you need an offensive plan. And this is my offensive plan that I've come up with for me. The first thing is, is this da- daily Bible reading. So I use Version, which is an app that you can get on your phone. There's all these Bible plans on there. There's all sorts of different Bibles on there. So every morning, the first thing that I do is I do my daily reading plan. I, I do it. I do it. Yeah? Then there's five minutes of solitude a day. And that may be in the morning. It might be in the afternoon. Whenever it works for me and whenever it works for you. That five minutes where we just go, you know what? I'm just going to sit. I'm going to be still. And I'm going to know that he's God. Next thing is, for me, is a consistent prayer time. Because here's my problem. Once I get into prayer, I'm good. But I struggle to start. And so what I would do is I'd just kind of like fit my prayer in and around my day. And I realize that that doesn't work. So now what I have is I have a consistent time where I pray. Every day I pray at that time. And it's usually as I'm leaving the house, coming to the church, and I might detour a little bit and get a coffee because coffee always helps prayer. And, and that's my time. That's when I pray. That's when I spend my time in prayer. Yeah? For me, whenever I travel a long distance, it's always worship on or a podcast on. I want to redeem my time. I want to be on an offensive plan where I've got stuff going in my car all the time. And this is my one challenge that I felt like God's given me for this summer, and that is to go outside, and when I see a beautiful sunset, don't Instagram it. Don't take a photo for the whole world to see. Just actually enjoy what God's created. I felt like God said to me this week, you don't need likes for something that I created for you to love. That's my offensive plan for my summer period. I don't know what yours is, but there needs to be a defensive and offensive, defensive and offensive, not offending plan, an offensive plan. A plan that gets you on the front foot, whatever that is for you, and you need to get serious about it because you need to redeem your rest. You need to invest in your rest. If you can do those sorts of things, if you can spend that five minutes, I guarantee you your life will improve. But here today, after hearing stuff like this, it's so easy to walk away. So you have to make a decision in this moment. You have to decide, are you going to continue on the way that it has always been? in the craziness of your world, are you going to make some changes? Are you going to be mastered by your busyness or are you actually going to start to master your inner world? Jeremiah 6, 16 says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. I actually believe that there are some ancient disciplines that are of higher value than some of our new technologies. Ancient disciplines like prayer, like fasting, like taking communion, not just in church, but at home. 
some of the ancient practices of the early church that were so important to them that we have just lost. I'm not saying that technology is bad. I'm just saying sometimes it wouldn't hurt to pick up a real Bible with pages and read it and write in the columns and highlight things in it. Some of the ancient practices of prayer, of fasting, of solitude. Jesus withdrew himself regularly, not to pray for a bunch of things, but just to bask in the goodness of our God, just to relax in the goodness. He says here, ask, where is the good way? Show me the ancient paths. Where is the good way, God? In other words, as you go home and you think about this and you pray about it and you talk to people that care about you, God, show me the good way that I may walk in it. Because if you show me the way that I need to do this and I start to walk in it, the Bible says, then you will find rest for your souls. Be still and know that there is one who loves you. Be still and know that there is one who is for you. Be still and know that there is one who heals you, that provides for you, that loves your good parts and your dark parts, that loves everything about you, that he didn't ask you to change yourself to come to him, He said, come to me, be still, be still and know, know that I am the God who loves you, know that I'm the God who forgives you, know that I'm not the God that forsakes you, know that I am the God of love, not a God that does love, but I am love and nothing separates us from the love of God according to Romans Nothing you ever do wrong separates you from his love. But, you know, if you're not in solitude, if you're not taking that five minutes out a day where you can reset yourself and focus on how good he is rather than how bad you are, then your mind will race about all these things that you think that you've got to do. Not knowing that when he said it is finished, it means that he finished it all. You see, the great thing about God is this. It's not so much that he comes into us. It's not so much that he comes into our lives, but it's that we come into his life. It's not so much about God and us, but it's us and God. Us, that's why the Bible says that we are the righteousness of Christ of God in Christ Jesus because we come into the kingdom of light. We come in under his wings. We come in under his blood. We come in under his protection. We come in under his love, under his mercy, under his grace, under his forgiveness, under his healing, under his provision. We come into that. We come in under that. It's not so much that he becomes part of us, but that we become part of him. And I tell you what, you'll forget that you're part of him if you're not taking the time to sit down and think, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I didn't have to work for my 
for the forgiveness of my sins, but you did it all. Thank you, God, that all I needed to do was admit that I'm a sinner, receive your forgiveness, and your grace comes, and your mercy comes, and your love comes. Thank you, God, that even though I've got some stuff that I ain't very proud of, God, it doesn't change your heart towards me. Thank you, God, that you're provider. Thank you that you're healer. Thank you that you're restorer of relationships. Thank you, God, that that's what you do, that you are the ministry of reconciliation, that you don't hold my sins against me, but you have cast them as far as the east is to the west, that you throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. And I know my life is really busy right now, but I thank God that I can take a moment of solitude right now, not ask you for anything, but just actually be thankful for what you've already done, because if he doesn't do anything else, for you that he's already done, he has done enough. Then you'll find rest for your souls. In this craziness of life, you will find what true rest looks like. The special rest that God has set aside for us where life can be going crazy. Man, I'm just gonna be still. I'm going to know that he's God. I'm going to know that he's God. I'm going to know that he's God because I'm going to sense healing and I'm going to be healed in that moment. If you seek him with all of his heart, if you put him first, he promises that he'll give you all the desires of your heart. But we don't seek him for our desires. We seek him because of who he is and what he has done. Why don't we just all close?